Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, uh, as Pastor Ron said, happy Father's Day to all the men and all the fathers, those who are fathers today and those who also aspire in the, uh, who, who aspire to be a father one day. Uh, happy Father's Day to you all. And um, as I was preparing for the message this morning, I was really uh, just thinking about what I, what I wanted to preach on. You know, there's, you can preach on so many different things on any Sunday and same thing for Father's Day. And so I found myself just asking God, you know, Lord, what is on your heart? And um, as I searched the scripture, there were so many places that I could go. And, um, and so uh, as, I was, as I was going through it, you know, I, I was just asking God, you know, what is on your heart? You know, as, as earthly fathers, there's many things that are on our heart. Um, you know, I, I, I would imagine that on the heart of every father, one of those things are family. Fathers care about their family. Um, we know we're called to protect. Uh, as fathers, I would think that finances are on a father's heart. You know, we care. You know, we're, we're responsible for providing. As fathers, I think that the future is important. Okay, there, there are many things that I believe that are important to the father. Uh, maybe everybody this is, but dinner is important for me. You know, what are we having for dinner? You know, I mean, I don't know about you guys. Maybe that's just me. But man, I, I do think about what is on, you know, what's going to be on the table. You know, I get excited. I really actually get generally excited about what's for dinner, even after eating lunch. But, you know, there, there are things that are important to a dad. And, and, and so the title of the message uh, this morning is The Father's Heart. We're going to uh, uh, work to discover what is on God's heart. And to do that, uh, we're going to look at one of the parables that Jesus told um, and um, one of the, the Bible teaches that mankind was created in God's image and that we are, that, that we reflect who God is. You know, we are image bearers of God. And God, as Pastor Ron has eloquently stated so many times, that he has presented himself and cast himself as a father. And God created men. He created us as fathers. And so I would say that earthly fathers in the same way are in a way image bearers of the heavenly father. And what I mean by that is that there is a responsibility as earthly fathers that we have to reflect God the father. In fact, whether, you know, with, it's going to happen, children will initially view our heavenly father by how they see us, which is crazy to think about. But it's very true. If, 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 if I'm loving towards my kids and I, and I care about them and I'm present with them and, and, and I'm merciful and gracious with them, that's how they're going to see God the Father. And uh, that, is, that is our goal. And so um, I wanted to, uh, to look to see what is on, the God, on God the Father's heart. And um, one of the parables we're going to look at is the prodigal son. And uh, uh, before we read it... Uh, Jesus, he's telling, this, he's telling this parable because there were some Pharisees who were watching Jesus eat with 
tax collectors and, and prostitutes and, and things like that. And, and they, they just couldn't imagine, you know, why would a, 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 a rabbi sit with sinners? That's, that's what they were asking him. And so he, he goes on to share a few parables, one being the parable of the lost sheep. There was a shepherd who had 100 sheep. One goes away. He leaves the 99 to go find the one. Then there was the parable of the 10 coins. There was a, a, a woman who had 10 coins, and she loses one. And so she frantically looks around her home, cleaning everything to find that one coin. And when she finds it, she celebrates with her friends because that coin was found. And then he gets to the parable of the prodigal son, which we find here in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. And when we read this today, what we're going to do is we are going to put on a pair of glasses today. Um, It's important for us to know that the Word of God, that the Bible, was written by Jewish men, for the you know, predominantly by Jewish men, and, it's, and it was written in an Eastern culture, a Jewish culture. And so when we read it, we have to understand that we are naturally going to read it from an American view, from a Western culture view as Americans. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to put on a different lens to help us to gleam what Jesus' listeners and his original readers would have already seen just by hearing this parable. They, they would have seen things and understood things whenever Jesus said it that we personally wouldn't normally just hear it or, or we wouldn't normally see it. And I really studied this and I thought it, it, it just brought this to life. And what we see when we hear this parable, when we read this parable, is we're going to see what is really on God's heart. So we're going to wear some glasses today that's going to help us to see into the culture and see into the customs to help bring Jesus' points out. So let's go ahead. We're going to begin in verse 11, and, and, and we'll kind of go through this uh, a few verses at a time. So it says this, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he, the father, divided his property between them. Now, it's important to know that for a a son to ask his father for his inheritance while his father was still alive was extremely disrespectful because that was something that was handed whenever the father passes or at the end of his life. He passes on his inheritance. I mean, his inheritance is everything that he has. He passes it on. And for a son to ask his father for his inheritance, that was, you, you don't do that. And that's what this son did, and it, it also was to, uh, it was almost to say that his father wasn't important to, to, uh, uh, to him anymore. He was cutting ties with his father, okay? So that's something that they would have seen. Uh, let's continue reading. It says this, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Now, from a Jewish perspective, not only did this son disrespect his father, but then he took his entire inheritance that he had, went into what they would have seen as a Gentile country, and wasted it all. In fact, prodigal means wasteful. So this wasteful son 
not only did he do that, but he wastes everything. And for a, for a community, they would have known that when, if, if a son was to do that, if a Jewish man, if a Jewish son was to go and do something like that, they would, they would cross that person out of, their, out of their community. They would reject him because whenever, whenever they come in, in fact, they have a celebration that they would do in front of him when he comes back to basically tell him, you are no longer one of us. I find that interesting. That's, that's what they, because he would have brought shame onto his father, onto his family, and onto his community. His family would have rejected him. He would no longer be one of his sons. So they knew that this son, the younger son, knew this. That at this point, once this happens, he knows. So let's continue reading. It says this, that, uh, uh, that when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Wow. Now, pigs are nasty. I love bacon. I love me some pork chops. Anybody else love some pork chops? Come on. Yeah, chat over there and celebrate. Come on. I love me some good old pork chops. I mean, I love ham. I mean, I, I love me some good meat. I love me some good pork. Okay, so when we see this, you know, I mean, of course, you know, you know, pigs are nasty, but for a Jewish person, you wouldn't even think to touch a pig. It is considered to be, it is defilement to touch a pig, let alone to feed a pig. I mean, that's as, that was left for the lowest of the low. That was left for the servants. That was something that a Jewish, a Jewish person would never do. To feed a pig? Like, whenever Jesus is telling the story, I can imagine the faces that are happening. Like, he, he did what? He had to feed a pig? That's the lowest that you could get. The lowest. That is something that a Jewish person would never consider doing. And not only did he have to feed the pigs, it says that, uh, uh, continuing reading, and, when, when he, and, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. Because no one gave him anything. Wow. Because there was a famine in the land, they gave him a job, but they couldn't give him any food. And so not only was he having to do something that he knew was as degrading, as, 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 as low as you can get, he was desiring the food that the pigs would eat. I mean, that is as low for a Jewish person. That's I, don't, I can't even describe the words, what, you, you, how, you know, what that would mean in that culture, in that custom. And so, in other words, what Jesus was trying to say was that this guy, he was at the lowest of the low. He was as, not only did he shame his family, not only did he shame his community, not only did he shame himself and disrespect his father and cut himself off from his community, but he also was as low as he could get in life. He was defiled. He was dirty. Okay? Continue reading. He says that when he came to himself, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? 
but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, look, listen to what he says. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Why is he saying that? Because he knows that he shamed his father, disrespected his father, and has shamed his community, and he knows that he's not going to be accepted back. According to the culture and the customs, he was not going to be accepted back, and he knew that. And he says, the very least, the best, this is what he says, uh, uh, continuing uh, uh, further, he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. This was, the, this was his plan. This was the best plan that he came up with. His hope, his desire was that his father would have mercy on him to allow him to be one of his servants. That is according to culture. That was expectation. Like that, like that was the best that he could imagine and the best that every one of his listeners. I mean, shoot. I mean, that is exactly what, I mean, Wow. Okay, so this is the son, and Jesus is setting up to hear the response of the father. And this is where I believe that we find out what is in God's heart. And while the prodigal son, you know, while the parable is called the prodigal son, you know, we call it the prodigal son, I believe that it's less about the son and more about the father. And we're going to learn about here what is on the father's heart. So um, beginning in verse 20, the first thing that we learn what is on the Father's heart is that God desires for all men to be saved. This is what he says, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. He had his plan. He goes to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. Okay. That right there, compassion, goes against culture. It, it went against Jewish culture. They would have had anger, resentment for that son. Okay? It says that he had compassion. And then it says that he ran. The father ran. This is interesting. It was in, in, in a Jewish culture, a father never ran. They never did that. Because in order to run, they would have to pull up their garments and show their legs. And in, in that culture, you would never show your legs. That was something that, would, that, that was shameful for, to do for a man. So they never, ever, ever ran. But this father ran. He didn't care. He didn't care. He ran to his son. He, he was willing to embarrass and shame himself for his son. And it says that, that, that he embraced him and he kissed him. A kiss on the neck in that culture was a sign of forgiveness. That was to say, I forgive you. The father went against culture. And no doubt when the listeners heard this, they're thinking, he did what? He, he did what? This, this was not something. Jesus was sharing something that was something that they didn't see, that they didn't know, and he was revealing the father's heart. You see, all he desired, all that father desired was for his lost son to come home. That's all he wanted. He was looking and longing for his lost son to come home. His desire was that the lost would be found. And that is exactly true for our God, our Father, is that what is on the Father's heart is that he desires for all men to be saved. Sadly, there are so many people 
who are dying and they are headed for hell. And I think that it breaks God's heart. His desire is for every man. He provided a way for his son. He, he provided a way through his son by dying on the cross so that we can, so that all men could be saved. This is what 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 says. He says, he desires, who? He desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is God's desire. That is one thing that is on the Father's heart, is that he desires that the lost would be saved, that they would come home, that they, that all men would be saved. That is what is on the Father's heart. Romans, and this is, this is not um, on the screen here, but let me just share this scripture with you as well. Romans 5.8, God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I thought that this parable was a great picture of that. This, this son, he was not expecting this from his dad. He was not expecting this from his father. And yet, while he was guilty, while he was shameful, his father ran to him, gave him a hug, kissed him, and let him know, I love you and I forgive you. That is who our father is. A second thing we see is, is, is in verse 21 is that God desires to have fellowship with his people. Verse 21, it says this, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He, he had a speech that he had prepared. And even though he, I'm sure he was shocked when he saw his father running to him and, and he embraced him and kissed him, he still shared his part of the story. And this is how his father responds. He doesn't even answer him. He says in verse 22, the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. A robe belonged to the father. You wouldn't give that to a servant. He gives it to his son. It was his way of saying that you are my son. And he put it on him. And he put a ring on his hand, which represented authority. And he gave it to his son. And, and, and he said, and shoes on his feet. Did you know that servants didn't wear shoes? Servants did not wear shoes in a, in a Jewish culture. But he called for shoes to put on his son's feet. Sandals to put on his son's feet. He was letting him know, you are my son. And he says, bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Meat was saved for special moments, and that's what this was. This, this was a moment that he was letting everybody know that I know what he did, and I know you know what he did, but this is my son. More than anything, he desired to have relationship with his son. That's what he wanted. He had no interest in his son being a servant. But that was, the, that was the best that he could hope for, but it didn't matter. All he wanted was relationship with his son. You see, God desires to have relationship with his people. You know, we're born again, and if we were servants of God, that would be enough. I mean, right? It would be enough if we were just servants. But that's not what God wanted. He desired relationship. He does, even today, he desires to have fellowship with his people. And the one thing, when, we're, when, we're, when we are born again, we're born, into, we're born again into a relationship with God, that we are children of God. But uh, a life of sin does separate us from God. It breaks fellowship with him. His desire is that we follow him and that we please him with our life so that we can have fellowship with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 says this, God is faithful 
by whom you were called into fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God's desire is to have relationship. That is on God's heart. And then lastly, number three, God's desire is for His people to be conformed to His Son. We learn this from the older son. Verse 25, let's read this. It says, Now his older son was in the field. As he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brothers have come, and your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And listen to his response, verse 28. But he was angry and refused to go in. That was the custom. That was the expectation. That, is, that was the cultural response to something like that. You, you know, when I, when I originally read this, I thought, man, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's your brother. I mean, wouldn't you be excited for your brother to come home? But in that culture, that was normal. He refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Verse 30. But when this son of yours came and he devoured your property with prostitutes, you, filled, you, you, killed, you, you, you killed a fattened calf for him. He was angry. And in that culture, rightfully angry. Verse 31, this is what he says. He said to him, son, you were always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your, fa- for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The father wanted his older son. He desired for his older son to be more like him. He desired for him to see his younger son the way that the father was seeing him. He wanted for him to get a picture and understand how he is seeing because culture wants to write him off. But he was letting him know that this is your brother, this is my son, and he was lost and he was dead and now he's found and now he's alive. That is what he was wanting his, his son t- to understand. And you see, God desires for us, his people, to be more like him. He desires for us to be conformed to his son. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's desire is that we would be more like Jesus, that we would be more like him. That is his desire. That is what is on God's heart. He desires that we, his people, will see lost people the way that he sees them. That we will see our family the way that he sees them. That we will see our children the way that he sees them. That his desire is that we would be like him. That is the Father's heart. This is not uh, this won't be on the screen, but let me read this as well. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with the unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, talking about Jesus, from glory to glory, just as by through the Spirit of the Lord. By the Holy Spirit, 
His desire is that we are being transformed to look more like Jesus every single day, more and more and more. That is his desire. That is his hope for us as his people and for us as, his, as, as, for us as fathers, that we would look more and more like Jesus. So three things that we see here is that God, he, his desire is for all men to be saved, for all people to be saved. Secondly, that we would be in relationship, he desires that we would, that, that, that he would have fellowship and relationship with his people. And then thirdly, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. So that is for all of us and for fathers, but there are three takeaways I want to give for fathers today that we see here in this, um, 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 in this parable and from these three points. That as fathers, that we can be a better reflection of our heavenly Father to our children and to the world around us. Number one, as fathers, let us be forgiving and gracious towards our children and towards others. Let us be forgiving and gracious. It is our responsibility to raise up children who are obedient. That is a responsibility. But we must be careful that we don't set a standard that is, that is unrealistic for our children. Instead, let us look for the opportunity to show grace, to show forgiveness. You know, there are consequences for our actions, and that's what the Word of God tells us, and that's very true for our children. And when they have a clear understanding of what their consequences are when they choose it, that is fair. But we must be careful that we're not setting an, un, an unfair standard. Let us be forgiving. Let us be gracious towards our children and towards others. Let us show grace. That's number one. Number two, let us value and nurture the relationships that God has given us as fathers. I love that this father, he did not want a servant. He wanted a son. That's what he wanted. Regardless of what the culture was saying and what the culture customs were, he wanted a son. That's all he wanted. He valued his relationship with his son. And we too, let us value and nurture the relationships, not just with our children, but with those around us. You know, as fathers, did you know that you were also fathering your kids' friends? Your, your kids' friends watch you. I watch my daughter's friends watch me intently as a father. When they ask me for something, whenever, whenever they do something that they shouldn't do, they're watching me. They watch me, and they're watching you. When we, when we parent, we're not just fathers to our children, but to the world around us. We are setting an example. And let us, you know, you know we, are, we, are, we are role models and we are father figures. And not just our children's life, but also in others. Coach, you know that so well. So many men, so many young men in Port Arthur, you set an example for. We all have set an example. Let it be a good example that we are setting for our sons, our daughters, and for their friends and the people around us. Let us set a godly example. Let us value and nurture those relationships. Let us not burn those relationships. Let's build that bridge so that in the time of need, it will become valuable for us. And then number three, let us as fathers allow the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. 
Let us allow the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. The father in this story wanted his son to be more like him. And today God wants us all to be more like Jesus, to be conformed to the image of his son. As fathers, let us, let us realize that we are not perfect. God is a perfect father. And we cannot reflect him perfectly. We are going to make mistakes. But every day, through the word of God and by the Holy Spirit, he will make us more like Jesus, that we can be a more godly father because we are reflecting our heavenly father whether we realize it or not. And so a few takeaways again. One, be, be forgiving and gracious towards your children and towards others. Number two, value and nurture the relationships God has given you. And number three, allow the Holy Spirit to make you more like Jesus. Amen? Let's pray real fast. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for being our Father. We thank you, God, for making us your children and bringing us into your family. And Father, I pray, God, that you would help us, God, Lord, to, God, to have, God, what is on your heart, God, that we would value, God, that whatever is on your heart, God, that we, we would value in our heart as well, Lord, that, God, that we would value the lost, Father. God, I pray, God, that we would value our relationship with you, Father. And God, I pray that we would be more like you, God. And I pray, God, for fathers today, God, I pray that you would give a special grace, God, on fathers. And Lord, I pray that as we go forth, Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, Lord, to be forgiving, Lord, towards all. And God, towards our children, Lord, I pray that you would help us to value and nurture relationships. And God, I pray that you would help us to be more like you. Lord, we thank you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen and amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.